0: Welcome to Ticket to Gamehenge, the podcast that discusses the science behind how to get your friends and family to love our favorite band fish, as well as other fish-related topics from the community. You can grab a free chapter of the book at tickettogamehenge.com. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my good buddy, Dr. K. Okay, and here we are back at it once again. The left bicep was flexed by Doctor K. What do you got in circumference there? What do you got there? Any idea? Don't care. You got some Hogan 24-inch pythons?
1: No, Mike. Because my goal is not to get Scott Steiner. Oh yeah, Scott Steiner. Big pop, maybe.
0: Is he still around? I don't think he is, or if he is, he. I think he's one of those guys that has had a lot of health issues what a lifestyle, eh? pro wrestling. Oh man.
1: He, I don't know. I don't know how that was at the time when, when I, when we were getting together to watch wrestling. So I was in it. I, in, I read an interview with him. This is what he said. This is awesome. And now he's paying the price for it, but he's like, I want to live like a star. I want to burn as bright as I possibly can and then quickly fizzle out.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, geez uh so for those of you that uh are listening know you didn't stumble on the wrong podcast this is a, <laughs> this is ticket to game henge a podcast about how to get your friends and family into loving the best band on the planet fish um reason number 37 to go along with uh episode 37 uh fish stradamus how 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 good is fish at predicting the future uh randomly out of the blue the other day you sent me a message. Um, uh susie then removed her mask and caused a mighty stir the angry crowd responded taking turns at grabbing her and uh you know susie greenberg is hell of a song late 80s right like it, it. A cavern oh that's that's cavern yeah why did i well i saw susie and immediately see this is the thing i i was thinking about Oh, was single... what's that do you even like this band <laughs> honestly well it's funny because this is going to come up later on about Fish's, Fish's lyrics and how um, I find myself still after listening to almost exclusively this band for the past couple of years, I still find myself not knowing lyrics and struggling to kind of understand and keep up because because there's there's a, such a depth there. So you sent me that and then I responded with a much more recent song. So take off, take off, take off your mask. The fear is an illusion, so don't even ask from Sigma Oasis. Um are there any other songs you think where fish has predict, predicted the future?
1: For Sigma Oasis, I think that's more metaphorical. Of course. Right? Well, yeah. But for Cavern, yeah, I think it's, I think it's literal. Yeah. Right, that's yeah. the theme of the song.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um I was thinking about when that text came through I started thinking about that. I was driving to work when you sent me that. I was in a I was in a drive-through which is why I was able to respond. And then I got thinking on my drive in after that, um, uh, if there was any others. And before reading up on it, I had thought Fluffhead might have been one is my interpretation of the lyrics was you know somebody who's uh, struggling with some mental health and is given a bunch of pills and then eventually you know uh, uh, has a uh, unfortunate ending after reading up on it a little bit more it's not about that it's about the dude of life's brother who was going through chemotherapy and um, has started putting fluffy things on his head in replacement of the hair that he had lost. Then in 1983 or 85, the dude of life, who I think his name is Steve Pollock, and Trey went to a Grateful Dead show and they saw some other random guy who had done the same thing to his head. And that it influenced the lyrics to Fluffhead. But it's really about Steve Pollock's brother going through cancer treatment and all of that stuff. So
1: sometimes it's better, sometimes with things like that, this is why I don't look them up. It's yeah. sometimes better to keep your interpretation than to actually know the real one you know it's better to be in oblivion for this one
0: perhaps I think you're right but I'm I'm naturally curious and I oh, I yeah, you man. know I always want to know what's going on there so um, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to spay, pay extra special attention to the lyrics and see if there's anything that else that comes up that's a little bit more um, uh, you know prognosticative if that's a word I think it is
1: fish, uh, fish lyrics are really interesting man because like for a for a band that you know it takes a lot of heat from non-fans for its lyrics i i love the lyrics i think the lyrics are awesome
0: me too me too i um i'm gonna skip ahead in my little menu here to uh i i think a, a little new segment that i want to call um for lack of a better term a hidden gem show so um you know i've just been listening and uh i came across a show june 4th 2011 that has as I progressively went through it more and more, I was just like, this is a really, really great show that I need to recommend. It's just one of those, you know, the tour is underway in early 2011. It's the sixth or seventh show, maybe. Um, But one of the things as it pertains to this conversation with lyrics is it has spoiler alert, the debut of Steam, which, you know, came out on an album nine years later, (laughs) which I think is great. But the thing that really struck me was um, I knew, I knew I was gonna hear the debut of Steam in 2011, but I didn't know exactly what show. And when it started, I was like, oh, okay, right, here we go, um, new debut. Now, it immediately got me thinking of uh, Dave Matthews Band and how they would traditionally debut songs. Each year, especially in a year when there wasn't an, uh, an album, they would bring out new songs. But oftentimes the way they would do it is the music would be complete, the band would be playing the song, but the lyrics weren't complete. That was a very, very common thing in Dave's world. They would just test it out on the road, um, and you'd hear versions of songs evolve over the course of two years. You'd hear scatting and gibberish in lyrics evolve into real lyrics over time. Gray Street is a really good example of that. This, on the debut, what I've noticed about Fish when they debut a song, it's done. Like it's, like it's like it's done, it's baked. And lyrically, Steam, Steam's got a lot going on. There's a lot of lyrics, there's a lot of verses, there's a lot going on. And I was listening carefully to see if, you know, it was an early version, if things were different, but it was done and polished. And the thing that was really cool was the crowd was quiet. They recognized it was a new song. They wanted to hear it. It wasn't a bathroom break song. It was, oh shit, they're playing a new song. Let's fucking listen. So I, I really, really like that. So that's just one of the things that's in that show, but I got to recommend that TS64 2011. The 2011 tour so far for me has been really, really good. I know it's nine years, 10 years ago, whatever it is, but good start, really good start compared to 2010 and 2009, for sure.
1: Well, I mean, like even going back to, even like going back to Dinner in a Movie from 2010, the amount of griping that I read online and yeah. I, I watched it, I'm like, yeah, what, what?
0: yeah because again i think i think i think it's one of those things that um you know you and i we prefer to go in blind and just let it happen as it is but i think a lot of people they look at that set list you know an an average fish fan not somebody who's you know really into no matter what they play i'm gonna like it but i think your average fish fan would look at that set and not see a lot of favorites jump out and and appeal to them but i think watching that was a really good example of it's there's only so much you can see in the set list itself. What you see on stage and what happens can obviously tell a different story.
1: I'm wondering how much of it um, was still the, because that was the year after Joy came out.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and when Joy came out, people were not happy.
0: Mm.
1: Right. That was one of the albums that people were like, I'm not really sure. You know, it was uh, that was the first 3.0 album.
0: Correct. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was a comeback album.
1: Right. It was the comeback album.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so there was a lot of, and they played a lot of those songs on the last tour. So I don't know, man, maybe that's why.
0: Yeah. There's probably an association with that there. Um, I, but I don't know, not but a lot of those songs in that show.
1: But here's the thing, like you can make an argument, like my favorite song from the, my favorite song from the show was, uh, was the curtain with. Mm-hmm. I can't believe there's a there's a curtain and there's a curtain width like that just it's upsetting to not hear that part, you know. It's upsetting to not hear the slow down rift part. Yeah. But uh, light was the coolest song of the of the like come on guys,
0: yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's and it's one of the better better versions of light that's out there. You know, it really starting to grow some legs at that point. And um, yeah, end of 2010, those songs. Uh, backwards down the number line, Kill Devil Falls, uh, even Joy itself, they really start to grow a little bit of legs and 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 kind of get going from there. And then I'm not hearing them as much in 2011. But for me, I'm singing along to Kill Devil Falls and backwards down the number line. Oh
1: and, and, and Those well. are great songs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's taken some time, right? And, and, and I think anybody at that time, sure, it would have been quite different from, really different from 2.0 Fish. Mm-hmm. you know and 3.0 in its eras has its has all of its things going on so hey it's a necessary step for the band and its evolution they're different people and uh committed to playing those songs out and now you know they play any of those songs at a show and i'm, I'm okay with it i'm happy with it so no problem but one of the things that i really like about dinner a movie that you wouldn't necessarily definitely wouldn't see if you just listen to it is um the layout of the stage was a little bit different back then, you had Mike and Trey really, really close and side by side, it seemed like a smaller venue, not a lot of wide shots. What I really liked about the first set was in between each song, you'd see Trey jump over and talk to Mike and be like, hey, hey, you wanna, you know, and, and you could see they were doing something fun and different that night on purpose. First time they played after midnight in Cypress Creek, you know. Oh, yeah and then you could see you know it was almost like the telephone game Mike and Trey would come up with the song and then they'd split Mike would go over to fish Trey would go over to page and they'd say what they're going to play and they'd come back and they'd start to play it and and I thought you know just seeing that interaction and the excitement and how much fun they were having with that to me made it added some value to the show you know it 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 uh it's it just, also
1: it's, it also adds value when um when they open with after midnight and the crowd was like they oh, were crazy
0: yeah yeah. It, it, expectations, not expecting to hear that at all. And
1: connected, right? It connected really, really well.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was, that was a great show. I, it, it's again, whatever. I mean, people will say what they're going to say, but anytime you get a show like that, that's released, you get to watch it. Hey, we'll take it anytime. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll continue because now, you know, we've anniversaryed. It's been over a year. We've been on this dinner and movie thing. So hopefully that, that will continue. Yeah. Um, <clears throat>
1: I'm, I'm trying to look at it, you know, from, from all angles. I, um, I just don't see what would be harmful releasing a concert for everybody every month, just to remind them that mm. we're here. And, you know, like, I, I don't see, I don't see the harm. I of all, not.
0: right? They have nothing to gain uh, or, or sorry. They have nothing but things to gain by doing it. There's nothing to lose. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's a, know i think it serves as a really great way to keep engaging their hardcore fans too i'm sure it brings the opportunity for new fans to join They're using it as a platform to advertise their live fish app and everything that goes along with that um you know and uh, yeah i think why not they have the material they have the content um it's uh it's clearly profitable i'm sure right otherwise they wouldn't be doing it so yeah i mean
1: they should be be profiting like this is their intellectual property they they you know they should it should it should, equal dola- it should equal dollars in the bank. Like they don't owe us anything.
0: No, and, and look, it's not it's not replacing the revenue of tour. <laughs> not even close. If anybody knows anything about YouTube, it's become increasingly more and more difficult to earn any money on there, right? It, it, it's it's like you need a huge audience with a lot of ads and all that stuff. So I don't think it's a financial play. I think it's an engagement play more than anything else. But if they're <laughs> having to make it a bit of money, great. You it's
1: know, audience play right? Like, yeah. dude, it's, it's so funny how, um, when when a new medium comes out and yeah. gains popularity, you know, you really see the you really see the good businessmen from the bad businessmen, right? Like the, the when people read the paper, the the ads in the paper were really expensive, and you made no money off of them, but they gave you attention. Yeah. Right. So you're building an audience. And once you have an audience, and you have a list of people who pays attention to you that's the revenue always made on the back end this is just business 101 yeah it's true. You know, of course youtube wants to youtube wants money you know they're you know despite google being all you know oh we're here for the betterment of of humanity give me a break you're not here for the betterment of humanity you're here for your own purposes right you give me that stuff these are those are, that's how the founders made the company i'm sure at one point there was this great vision now when they're like you know, now they they employ the the government cronies to make sure nobody else can enter that space and to protect them. Same thing, man. Damn yeah. the man until I become the man, and then pro man.
0: I think you make a good point. Yeah, um, out of here. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's interesting how we can be. You know, that's a really good example of um, branding. You know what we're conditioned to think that you know what these guys are all about but they still have boardroom meetings and executives and shareholders to answer to and uh, uh all, all that stuff of well, course
1: just look at how they're treating people that don't that say what they don't like oh we're protecting the public come on man i was born in communism i can hear a bullshit lie like that you're doing it for my own good i'm not a moron i know what i'm being lied to here
0: yeah it's a good point,
1: come good on.
0: point. um What else have I got in here? So, I I guess some sad news from uh, the fish community. Uh, uh, Tony Markellis uh, suddenly passed away mid-last week. What, Thursday, maybe? Wednesday or Thursday?
1: I read the post from Trey on Friday, probably like most people.
0: Yeah, okay. I I, I was fuzzy on the date, but it was uh, end of April, late last week. Um, Yeah, we obviously recently saw him uh, at all of the Beacon Jam shows. I don't think he missed one. He was there for all eight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Somebody that Trey... um, evidently he had a very big influence on Trey going going to Goddard college when he did. Um, you know, he, he had, he had seen Tony play and playing play in a bar and quickly became friends with them. He played at his wedding. I mean, they, they've been friends a long time. Um, you know, uh, it's funny cause I don't know if it was last week or the week before we were talking about farmhouse and how, uh, you know, Tony, uh, and, and Russ co-wrote first two sand and, uh, got a jaboo, right. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah so sad you know there's been a lot of posts on there um um i don't know what else to say about it really a, a big guy right clearly you know had some had some health challenges i mean i can you? Yeah, big dude really really big guy but uh solid 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 base, base player you know added, added a lot to tab and i'm sure just based on the amount of posts and things that trey has been posting about him, had a big influence on him so
1: yeah this is like it's yeah man it, i don't know.
0: really say i mean yeah it sucks it's it's
1: it's funny you get that you get to be that age and you start to realize like how fleeting life is you know
0: mm. yep yeah you blink and it's gone that's for sure so um yeah i don't know how that'll mani- manifest itself in the fish world if that'll inspire trey to write new music or whatever who knows of course it
1: will you know the answer well, that. yeah trey, trey is like the ultimate uh, I, I i don't know what the word is but he is, he just absorbs everything and it comes out through some type of music.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's almost like uh almost like a musical meat grinder (laughs) it takes it all in that's i don't know if that's a good analogy or a bad one but takes it all mixes it up and able to spit it out into something that's a little bit more organized um you know uh interesting stuff and then the last thing i have on here is a couple weeks ago i kind of dropped it and i've got a bitter a bigger list going um the best songs not to make it on an album so far so uh i brought up harry hood and uh, I think Punch You in the Eye were the yep. two that I kind of brought up. I, I dropped NICU in there. So the list has expanded a little bit as I've been listening and I go, oh, here's another one. And I can't okay. believe I, what's that? Like the curtain with. Curtain with, yeah, 100%. Karini, um, I put on there. Um, Simple, Simple's not on an album, right?
1: Oh, okay, Hello. hold on. Do you count like the official release Baker's Dozen as an album? No has to be a studio album right
0: yeah they wanted the studio with a the producer they did different takes they you know wanted it to fit on an album that, that's 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 what i'm going for all, think, all of mike's groove mike's mike's song we, what's that we could pog. yeah um that's what i have so far um but yeah i i, I think it's i kind of like that there's so many great songs that aren't on an album i don't know Absolutely. why i, I just awesome. think it's what's that i think it's awesome i think it's amazing it's awesome. You're just down with it yeah. down with it. Dude,
1: it um, I, we've, we've covered this before, but like, it took me a really like an absurdly long time to figure out how to listen to fish. Mm. But once you get it, I have a hard time listening to the other. I have a hard time listening like to the other stuff, you know?
0: Like just other music, you mean? Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't. I guess that's kind of true for me. I, like, I don't listen, to, I don't choose to listen to a lot of things other than the fish, and I've brought this up before. For me, it's what plays in the store that I work at. We have a playlist that plays some terrible music. Yeah. Terrible music to the point where we hear a certain song. There's a song by an artist called Duffy. I had a Shazam it because I didn't know who it was. Yeah. I don't know who any of these artists are. People be like, oh, I love the Jonas Brothers. And I have to go, oh, this is the Jonas Brothers? I really didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um. There's this song by Duffy called Well, Well, Well. And the chorus goes, well, well, well. It's like nails on a chalkboard. And it's funny when it starts to play, you can see all 30 to 40 members of the staff in the store, just like you, like at the same time, almost like Time Turns Elastic is getting played at a fish show and they just go, oh, um, but yeah, there, there isn't a lot of great popular music out there from what I'm hearing. It's just, just very basic. It's super predictable.
1: I disagree. I think popular music is great.
0: I, oh. I like it. But you just don't like listening to it because you just prefer to listen to fish. Like it's...
1: um, I just that's a good question I get it what I get it for what it is right okay so like I understand like that it's a pop song I understand how to listen to it mm-hmm. it's just not always like I know I'm listening for the hook I know I'm listening for like the the skill of the artist in that moment right mm-hmm. like when when somebody hits like a lead like when you listen to Van Halen's leads yeah and then Van Halen plays them live right you know he plays them verbatim no for no. Right? right. So it sounds good. The closer that he gets to the recording. Right. Right. With fish, it's the exact opposite. Like you're listening. You would listen to fish like you listen to jazz music. Okay. You listen to what's happening right now. Yeah. In the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, I think jazz is more predictable in the sense that you understand there's a chord progression and, and every musician is going to have their turn to go over. Mm-hmm. with, with fish, it like it can go sideways upside down like there's more predictability it's not completely random that's why you can tell which jams are what jams
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it's just nice to like not know and to actually have to pay attention to what's happening right now
0: yeah yeah i agree and 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 coming back to that june 4th 2011 show that's how i felt about it i mean there, there was just surprises you know just around every corner i i um <laughs> Well,
1: that's why people can't understand, right? They're like, oh, I don't understand. Like, oh, you know, they make fun of you. Oh, I was so in the moment with, this, you know, the one South Park thing. Ah, with the crunchy grooves. <laughs> like that. And it's funny, right? Because there's there's a certain thing to it. But, like, that's right. Like, it all came together for that part. And when you think of, like, all the things that have to come together to produce that emotion at that part with that sound, you know, that's awesome, man. Like that's like next to quote my friend, James, that's some next level shit.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Um, Yeah, I agree. Uh, You know, when you're saying that I was thinking about like the end of, I like the end of Harry hood, like every single time when that comes back together and I'm listening to them start that jam. I'm I'm thinking, how are they going to get back there? Like, like, you know, they're going to come back to, you can feel good, feel good. And, yeah, I'm always amazed by that. Um, I just saw just a little listing on my uh, um, June Fourth, 2011 show that I've got in front of me here. Uh, Ocelots on there. I don't know if you noticed in the dinner and a movie that was just on. Were you paying any attention or really looking at trees? Uh, is uh, is Langadoc in that in that at all? Because that was um, that's the 3.0 Languedoc that he was given in uh, August July of 2010. so he hadn't played many shows with it. Do you see what's on the headstock? What's it called the very very end of the guitar where you where you string it up is it headstock? What? The yeah, the Ocelot. Um, which I think is really, really neat. Um, do you know do you do you know who the Ocelot is? <sighs> Who's the Ocelot?
1: I think you told me i don't remember this is just those things were like or you say them and i'm like that's really cool and i just think- <laughs> yeah i'm
0: trivia i'm trivia guy yeah. um so trey is the ocelot so the, the the whole story with that song was uh trey was finishing up um drug court and hadn't been talking with friends had been very isolated in his rehab and going through that and um the lyrics or the first part of Ocelot were sent from Tom Marshall to Trey saying, hey, Ocelot, Ocelot, come out and play. Where are you? Are you willing to come back and write some music with your friends? That that was the whole idea, which really kind of kicked off the writing for the songs that became Joy. So I think yeah. it's really neat that when Languedoc made that guitar, he did that beautiful inlay of an Ocelot because it because it is Trey, um, you I know, which I find really interesting.
1: I think with all these stories, Cause I don't, I do not seek this stuff out whatsoever, but I always share it with Rochelle and I always think about it. I always think about like how cool it is. You know, it really comes through with these guys that they all really like each other, Mm -hmm. care about each other. And they're really doing this for themselves, man. Just it's Mm -hmm. like a joke, you know, like, but like, it's like, it's endearing because what would be the point other than you're trying to actually genuinely help your friend? Like it's really authentic. It's not gimmicky.
0: Yeah. You just remind me, there was a couple, I was reading through the fish Reddit page today, and there was a couple posts in there, one of which I contributed to twice. But the first one that I'll say is somebody posted a thing like, um, do Mike and Trey get along? And then there was a thread in there and people saying about this and that and how, and I think it got started from dinner to movie when they were talking a lot and, you know, people saying, we just don't see that anymore and what's going on. And I thought like, like, where's your, where's your logic in this conversation? Of course, they get along. Would they continue to still do this after all these years, and continue to make new music, get together, and find ways because they don't like each other? I thought it was really just strange. But the other thread that I contributed to twice, because you kind of brought it up there, were um, somebody asked what are what are some um, fish stories, some obscure uh, what's a, what is an obscure story from fish lore that common fans might not know, and I put a couple posts on there. Um, uh, one of them, um, you know, the whole thing about um, Riker's mailbox, yeah, it's from, from from uh, Hoist. So where they recorded Hoist was next door to Jonathan Frakes, who played Riker in Star Trek: Next Generation, was next door to his house, and he was hanging out with them quite a bit. So it was like literally next door. His mailbox was Riker's mailbox, which is why that song made it in. And evidently, the original plan for the cover of Hoist was a picture of Riker standing in front of his house beside his mailbox. But then they ended up making it the Horse because uh, Horse was the only song from Riff that wasn't represented on that album cover. So they moved it into Hoist. And actually, another thing was that album was originally gonna be called Hung Like a Horse, right? So instead of calling it that, they called it Hoist and they had a horse hoisted up and it was hung. And that was the joke right the horse but then,
1: is but then they also went with like the fisticuffs theme from like the 1920s like with like the curly mustache oh theme. yeah and all the
0: album art right and they're all like that's right look at here see i'm gonna go downtown see <laughs> yeah for sure um uh there was uh there was a story that i listened to on on either undermine or beyond the scales about have you ever seen the stephen king uh story the movie children of the corn from the 80s so they somehow became friends with um one of the guys from children of the corn and they were in vegas (laughs) and they they were pulling a prank on tom marshall and they had been doing stuff partying drugs and alcohol and whatever else Mm -hmm. and they swapped out one of their friends left the room and then the dude from *Children of the Corn* came back into the room to try to spook Tom Marshall, but instead he was just sort of like confused by it. The prank didn't really, you know, uh, uh, go go the way they thought it would. Um, so this year, I had heard and read that Trey was kicked out of UVM, and that's why he had to transfer to Goddard. But what he was kicked out for, I didn't really know. This seems to be supported. Uh, Trey was kicked out of UVM for stealing a cadaver hand and a heart and sent it to somebody (laughs) like actually mailed it to somebody as a joke Um, because
1: i did by the way i did so listen just to update before you finish the story because we did cadaver anatomy
0: in i remember
1: in uh in chiropractic college yeah that's a that is a very like that's like punishable by like federal prison
0: yeah. So again, I don't know how true it is, but there's a lot of people chiming in and adding to the story on the thread, which is you interesting.
1: You have to. It's it's viewed as like as like disrespect to the family and like the sure. person's body, right? So you have to keep like all the stuff, every part that you cut off goes into like a container underneath the the cadaver tab, right? And then when it's all done, they take everything and they cremate everything together.
0: I see. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I posted on there that Trey was a very good hockey player when he was young. He's a huge fan of the Flyers. Rangers. Uh, what's that?
1: Rangers. He's a Rangers fan.
0: No, he's not. He goes to Ranger games because he lives in New York, but he's a Flyers fan. Really? He's a Flyers fan. Yeah. Yeah, man. Look that up. I promise you.
1: Oh, I believe you. Oh, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like, our, like our like our, group chat, when like, Drew tried to take something to you, I'm like, come on, man.
0: Yeah. Like of
1: mind, you just listen.
0: <laughs> this is interesting. So, "Poor Poor Heart" was written by Mike um, about someone stealing his four his four track recorder, um, and it originally was called "You Won't Steal My Four Track Again." <laughs> you won't steal my four track again. Um, uh, when doing their Halloween costumes, they had asked Roger Daltrey to sing. Quadrophenia, but he declined. And they had asked um, David Lee Roth for a potential Van Halen album that never materialized. Yeah. Um, I posted about Colorado 1988 when Fishman got high as a kite and went off on the mountains by himself. And then, you know,
1: Trey was, was, was playing drums.
0: Yeah. And that's in Colorado 88. You can hear that. Um, Paige owned a demolition derby team during his hiatus, during the hiatus. Uh, so the bass player from Almond Brothers band, who he did Vita Blue with, they yeah. bought like a, kind of like a stock car team. And they had that for a little bit. Um, uh, awesome. pages, is, is gluten-free, um, pages paleo. It's paleo. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. yeah. Um, what else is on here? But I think it's interesting because all these stories go back a long time. This one's more recent. They Learned Gloria by Laura Branigan backstage to play in honor of the St. Louis Blues team winning the Stanley Cup just before we saw them in 2019. Uh, they had won during the first set or whatever. Yeah. And then during intermission, they went out and they learned it and came back and played it. But nobody can explain why that song is a St. Louis Blues song. It's, it's just one of those things that caught on, kind of like how the Red Sox are uh, Sweet Caroline's seventh inning stretch. Um, and then somebody posted on here doesn't have a lot of votes, but Phil Lesh's favorite song is Possum.
1: What?
0: Yeah, I actually saw a possum the other night. I almost hit it with my car. Those things are gross. Yeah, yeah. little bastards. I just don't. I just don't trust them as far as I can throw them. It's a pretty good distance, I imagine. Get them by the tail, swing them around. Your end is the road. Yep. And that's everything I have on my list. um Oh, are we going to talk about twelve thirty ninety five? Did you listen to that?
1: yeah
0: shiz. yeah let's talk about that that is a good show i think it, it sort of inspired me to start to look at the shows before the big show like what does the show before Clifford ball look like what is the show before big Cypress look like i'm gonna have to go back and listen to those because those would fly under the radar and get ignored mostly oh i would God. think
1: that was such a good show
0: yeah it, despite having a prince caspian opener um
1: see i think the prince caspian opener was great yeah i think i think think it puts everybody in the right mood you know you just come out and it's just like bliss right off the start man i don't think you can really complain
0: yeah i suppose so um and then to go right into 2001 if you were feeling a little bit mellow from that opener the second song it you know it really would really kick it into gear um really good david bowie on there eh? (laughs) right your reaction oh For those of you that can't see, he's just uh, looking concerned and shaking his head. But in a,
1: <laughs> like, his heart was beating really fast.
0: <laughs> like,
1: um, like where Bowie's like climaxing and Trey's playing like the like the sixteens really really fast, and then it all kind of like slows down, and like bottoms out, and you feel like the whole thing's just gonna collapse, and then they bring it back. Yeah, woo, it- that's stressful, man.
0: Yeah, I know. And that's like 25 minutes into the show. You're <laughs> just starting the night, you know, um, into simple, then it's ice, which is great. Man who stepped into yesterday with Elvinu Malkanu back in the man who stepped into yesterday. I love when they do Alvinu Malkanu. It, it, it's awesome. It, yeah. It gets me pumped. And then great divided sky uh, sample in a jar for the first set. Um, it was 95. So audience chess move. Yamar, uh, uh free before it came out on the album it's awesome Harry Hood a mid-second set um and then into ACDC bag I got really excited at that part because I did not expect Hood. Dude, that, to transition,
1: that transition was worth the show
0: yeah I was like whoa and it's I, I gotta start recording myself listening to this <laughs> shit because again like, I'm, I'm always a I start dude I'm telling you I start going yeah or, and start like cheering at different parts it's just oh man it's the best um uh life boy uh which which i always really really like son of a mule um our new our new favorite song in uh, rochelle's world uh, uh a cavern because i like to pronounce it cavern like an antelope and then that's the when i text you
1: about cavern i was like wait a minute you said it again that's when i text you
0: oh okay yeah yeah the penultimate song of the set really really good so um and again I'll, I'll, although it's uh although it's an audience tape show you get used to it i i didn't find the quality was bad you know I, you can't hear you can't clearly hear um mike's notes as sharply just because of the way bass travels right it's a lot fatter and, and you just don't get that kind of quality of sound but overall i find the bass drum seems heavier in the in the um taper shows when you're there it's one of First thing that kicks in in a live show is how heavy the bass and the bass drum is. You can hear that in the recording.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I got used to it. I was really, really critical. It was tough when I was a kid to listen to it. I got by, it, no problem. But it's also nice going from those tape shows to like an official release. You're just like,
0: oh. oh dude, it's like going from standard def to HD. Just like, just like that.
1: Of course. But you've also like created like a gap. Because now, you know, how cool would it be like that one of the official releases is like 12, 30, 95. And you're like, oh yeah, I love that show
0: yeah yeah got to see more i wish they would do more than more than one a month of the old old shows if they can they can do two two a month for the next 30 years and still have shows to dip into you know um there's
1: know. no it's crazy man it's crazy there's really no there's shows that might have less energy that you don't like the set lists maybe they missed a couple of the peaks and the jams yeah but it's far from bad like you know for people who are like ah eh, i'm like really dude. eh
0: mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, not fair, not fair. No nope. perspective, so yeah, dude, that's everything I got for the week. But yeah, I, I've had a really good week of listening to fish. Like, I, I know it's always good, but just between the 95 uh 1230 show we just talked about, that hidden gem show again, I recommend for you to go listen to that June 4th, 2011.
1: I'll go check so, it out. I don't have anything for you to listen to, but I will find something for next week,
0: okay? Um if you want to check out twelve two ninety five, I'd recommended that for you last week. Check it out. That's what the service animal tweezer.
1: Serviceable. Yeah. So 1229. Yeah, I'd probably check out both of those. I mean,
0: really, you could listen to the whole ninety five tour and have a blast. The uh, whole. I'm pretty, sure.
1: I'm pretty sure if you started like any date with the '90s and just finished off in the '00s, would be okay. Yeah.
0: For sure. All right, brother. That's what I've got. Um, yeah. Subscribe, like. um, I don't know, get a tattoo of Ticket to Gamehenge on your shoulder blade or your scapula. Uh, your bicep right here. <laughs> yeah, pythons, there you go. Have a great week, everyone. See ya. You've been listening to Ticket to Gamehenge. In addition to wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, Ticket to where you can grab a free chapter of the book, How to Get Your Friends into Fish. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep sharing in the groove.